Want a hand, mate? Bring Macca. Good morning, Macca. This is Jody from Crossdale, west of Kilcoy. We're on 44 acres and um, in the middle of nowhere. And um, about 30 metres away from me now is our resident koala, Claudius, sitting in his tree. He comes through, he has a little routine, a little pattern, and he comes through and keeps us company. He has a little routine. We'll see him for a couple of weeks and then he'll wander off to another part somewhere and we won't see him for a while and he'll come back in a couple of weeks. And he's got like some of his favourite trees that he's in. Do they only eat the one sort of gum leaf, several varieties? or? Well, Claudius seems to eat several varieties. Is there any reason you call him Claudius? I don't know. It's a name my husband came up with. Your husband did Latin at school or he's a Roman history oh. um, buff, is he? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. Hi, Claudius. Wherever you are, she's got a pet. They've got a pet. Koala, he doesn't know that, but his name's Claudius. Um, give us a ring this morning, wherever you are, 1300 700 222. Lots of things to talk about. Last week, I spoke to Ian about rowing because the rowing championships have been on in Tasmania at God's Rowing Course, they call it, because it's so fantastic. But uh, come and meet Ian. He's uh, very, I love, I wish I'd have rowed. Macca, good morning. I'm standing on the water's edge at one of the most serene and picturesque pieces of rowing water on the planet, Lake Barrington, northwest of Tasmania. And Mark Campbell calls it God's rowing God, God, <laughs> God's rowing course. <laughs> well, well Mac, my name's Ian, so you can call me Robbo, but um, there is a beautiful little sign about a kilometre out from the uh, top of the hill before you come down, and it is appropriately signposted the promised land. That's after you go past a sign that points to another town called Nowhere Else. We've got a big week of racing ahead of us, Mac. We, we cancelled our championship, sadly, this time last year. Uh, so it's the first time since 2019 that the Australian Rowing Championships are being staged and uh, we're just so thrilled to be able to do so here in Tasmania. So you haven't been doing that for a while? No, the, the regattas around the country, Mac, have largely been unaffected. The rowing season sort of runs to the end of March, so when the COVID shutdown came last year, most of the regattas had, had got away, but... Uh, the Nationals uh, suffered, sadly, so uh, we, we're thrilled to have everybody from, from school crews to all the way through to our Olympic and Paralympic athletes who are finalising their preparations for Tokyo here and able and para-bodied uh, athletes as well, Maka, so it's a very inclusive event. And is that because they didn't want them to travel state-wise, you know, interstate and stuff, or is it because the, when you're in a, a rowing eight, you're sitting right next to one another or what? Yeah, it's a bit. It's, it's interesting you say, that, Mac. It's a, literally a little bit of that. So the 1.5 meter of social distancing, I think, in, a, in an eight, it's 1.3 meters. So for a, for a while, there's been a lot of negotiation with with public health authorities on a state by state basis, and even the coxes, in some instances, for a while, they were, were wearing masks. But uh, things have settled, thankfully, and and. Uh, with the border closures uh, settling and we continue to cross our fingers and toes that we all stay healthy, uh, it's been an epic exercise. Uh, I pulled in here Thursday morning behind the two trailers that had arrived from Western Australia, Macca. That's a week-long trip, 3,600 kilometres to get here. So it tells you the, the, the intent and, and the desire for people want to be a part of this, this event. Yeah. Uh, look, I think it's a gr- I never did rowing, of course, because in some ways I think it's got a, a reputation that it's something to do with private schools, and I suppose it has been. But, gee, I, I, I wish rowing was uh, really, truly national sport in terms of going to all schools. Because, look, I, I think every school, I mean, our school was 
at Cogra, but it's, it's not far to some water where we are. And even if you're on the Darling, you know, when there's water in it, you could row anywhere in Australia, really. It's a one, wonderful sport because I remember talking to this bloke and he said, uh, Macca, our eight got together after 30 or 40 years, whatever. You know, they had a reunion and, and they yeah. all got together. He said, and we sat in the thing, he said, and just... <laughs> After about, he said, a minute, he said, we just got into sync and it was just like we'd never left. <laughs> just an amazing thing. You know, he said, we just, we're all in sync and bang. Up, the boat sat up and away, you know, the, the shell sat up and away we went. And he said, it was like we're 35 years ago we'd, and we'd never been together since, but yeah, it just sticks with you, doesn't it? That's the beauty of it. But, Mac, you do speak to a challenge, which as the governing body of the sport nationwide, we're working closely with our state associations and clubs and indoor rowing is a, is a really growing and exciting avenue for the sport and, and also a new element, coastal rowing, which we hope will be in the Olympics by 2028. And more excitedly, if, if the Brisbane bid lands for 2032, some, some rowing uh, off, off the coast of, of Queensland as part of the Olympics. But uh, for, for this event, it's, it's, the, it's the 2K course. It's, uh, it's an honest, uh, brutal challenge of, of intent and fitness and attitude. And uh, as I say, for the Olympic athletes, the beauty here, Macca, there's no sort of exclusive barriers behind where the Olympic athletes are in the boatyard here performing. Everyone mucks in. It's just a great all-in event. And uh, the, the skills of rowing, particularly resilience and teamwork, stand everybody in good stead for the challenges of life. And also getting up early and getting out in the water and being part of the environment. I mean, that's that's the other thing about it too. I mean, it's a pain in the bum to get up at four, but <laughs> once you you know once you're there, it's just magic, magic. And it's it's serene here, Macca, in the morning. First thing, it's the it, uh, the image of the of the trees on the water. It's like a mill pond, and the, and the sun creeps over the top of the hill, and it is glorious. As you say, it's a reward for that early morning alarm call. Yeah, and look, I think you should scratch up a sign um, and bung it up the road there. Uh, God's God's rowing, God's rowing course, this way. <laughs> well, Macca, as I say, I'm a proud Tasmanian. I live on the mainland, and, and I have to tell you, usually I'm listening to you driving to golf on a Sunday morning, feeling so <laughs> inadequate about what I'm planning to do, and I've been desperate to call you to now give you something relevant to the rest of the country, <laughs> and it's and it's the national rowing championships and. So much to be excited about. I know the Olympics is going to be very different back of the, the, and the Paralympics because of COVID and the challenges, but we've got some outstanding young Australians who want to go onto the world stage and do us all proud, and we're doing everything we can to give them the best possible preparation, and that includes competing and training here at Barrington all week. And the other thing we've forgotten about rowing is is just fitness. There's another tick for rowing. Well, jump on the ergo, Macca. It'll do you good. It'll, it'll engage about 90% of your muscles without any of the, the hard uh, crunch on your legs or your knees and your exactly. ankles, and you'll, feel, yeah. and you'll feel better for it. Good on you, Robbo. Talk to you. 1300 700 222. Give us a ring wherever you are. G'day, this is Macca. G'day, Macca. This is Adam logging on for a cab shift in Dalesford. How are you, mate? Oh, good, mate. How's it looking this morning? Uh, it's a bit chilly, but the community's just waking up. They, there's a big market on in Dalesford on a Sunday morning, so all the marketeers are up there setting up their stalls. It's um, it's a very busy morning. A busy morning for you? It, it, it is, actually. It's usually full of the Saturday night revelers who still have a cold beer in their hand trying to get home from wherever <laughs> they've woken up. <laughs> uh, but you'd be used to... How long have you been driving a cab, Adam? Oh, mate, off and on for about 15 years, but not for more than three years if you add it all together. Gee, there you go. Yeah, well, you know your way around the place, I suppose. And your your Darsford's your home? Well, lately, I've been up here a year, so I'm new to the 
to the community. It's a very, very welcoming community. So um, I'm a bit of a traveler, a bit of a bit of a hobo myself. I live out of my caravan, so um, wow. I'm one of those that loves the fl- loves the flavour, loves the variety, and yeah. Well, that's the way to go. That's the way to go. I think I've talked to a number of people who do that. You know, sell up everything and go on the road and work when they want to and whatever and travel when they want to. That seems like a good idea, but it's it's different from what most of us have grown up to. I suppose you've got to, yeah, it's a, it's a big change, isn't it? What you find is that the universe will deliver you what you need at any given moment. So you've just got to ask for what you need. There's plenty of, plenty of people who need a pair of hands around their farm or around their property. Mm. So I often find that I'm pitching in on a vineyard or I'm, you know, parked up in someone's back garden and it might be for a few weeks or a few months at a time. You just help them out with whatever they need, wherever they are. Good on you, Adam. Anything else to report, mate? Mate, um, I think we've got some really interesting times ahead and I just want to encourage people to uh, do what we all do well, which is lots of love, lots of respect, lots of different ideas popping out at the moment and there's some really weird stuff coming, I believe. And I think we're in a time when we're going to need, you know, need heaps of support with each other. So just... Um, just be kind to each other, yeah? Exactly. And you had something to say about Claudius to Koala. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, well, clearly with a name like I, Claudius, or Claudius, he's uh, obviously Ro- Roman all the time, isn't he? So well, that's he must what, be a Roman. Yeah, that's what she said. She said he um, he wandered around and he'd go to a tree and then he'd scoot down and run across the ground and go to another tree. So I didn't think of that. Um, but um, Mate, yeah. I'm a Kiwi. I was born. I was born in Wellington, New Zealand. I'm actually a Kiwi. I've been here for now for 21 years. But um, we know we don't we don't quite understand the whole koala energy. Um, Kiwis, though, you know, always, you know, you, yeah. That's now that's a different story. So yeah, well, um, yeah. His name's Claudius, and he's a pet, but he doesn't know he's a pet. He just hangs around and uh, eats the gum leaves. That was, that was Jody at um, uh, Esk in Queensland. They obviously. They're obviously giving him whatever he needs. If he keeps coming back, they're obviously giving him something that's good. That's good, giving him a safe place to be, I guess. Yeah, well, she's got a, she's on a few acres, I think, so she's got little bits and pieces around, which is be a nice thing, Adam. Love your show, mate. Keep going. Great work. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. This is the All Over News. A couple of weeks ago on the program, I replayed part of a program from Winton in 1995. We were there for the centenary of Waltzing Matilda, the song. One of the things that happened during that program, and had been happening for a couple of weeks really, I'd been playing sort of phone tag with a lady called Debbie Cox, who was trying to phone us from Burundi in Africa. And this is part of that phone call. Hello, Ian. Debbie from Burundi calling again. I was talking to you last week. All oh, right, Debbie from Burundi in Africa. Yes, that's right, in Central Africa. Central Africa. And I meant to talk to you, Debbie, and we only had a couple of minutes last week. We had trouble getting through to you after you rang us, getting back to you. What's the, tell us about the phone system in Burundi. Um, the phone system normally works quite well, actually, but um, it seems to be the last few weeks uh, we tend to get cut off after every couple of minutes. I'm not sure whether it's a deliberate act that the uh, phone company is doing or whether it's an accidental thing or not. I'm not really sure what goes on. Now, Debbie, you I think I asked you last week, you were from Leeton or Mildura? Leeton, actually. I um, lived 24 years of my life in Yanko, actually, about four miles outside of Leeton. She's gone? See, that's what's happening to the phone system in Burundi. But I'm so pleased to say that Debbie Cox heard about our replay, 
and she's on the line. Only 25 years later. Debbie Cox, great to talk to you. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. It's great to talk to you again. Now, when I spoke to you, you were you're over there and, and looking after chimpanzees, I think with the Jane Goodall Institute. Is that right? That's right, yes. I think you said to me at the time you were going to be there for another year or something. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I should ask you, how long did you stay there? came home in 2015. I still actually have been going back, but only for short stints for, well, I was there last year for seven months in Liberia. Yeah, I've sort of permanently come back home because my parents are both in their late 80s and so I need to be here for them now. So you, but you were there for what, 20 years? 25 years, yeah. My God. I went, yeah, yeah, the original plan was five years and five years became 10 and then 10 sort of became 20. I don't know where they went, actually. <laughs> I suppose because when you look at animals and especially chimpanzees, they sort of touch a, a place in your heart that I don't know exists anywhere else. Do you know what I mean? It's... It's, um... Well, they live as, you know, like chimps can live, you know, as long as what most humans will live. So they can live to 60 and 70 in captivity. In the wild, we know that they can live up to 45 and we've known one in the wild to live up to 50. So, you know, when you have that uh, relationship with them and it is a, a long-term relationship, they remember you. I've seen chimps after 10 years and they instantly remember me and greet me. When you look back on those 20 years... Have you made much of an impact? Is are things better for chimpanzees? So I went from Burundi to Uganda and I set up a sanctuary in Uganda called the Ngamba Island Chimpanzee Sanctuary. But uh, in Uganda, once I got the sanctuary going, I sort of realised that I had to start working on how to stop the causes of the chimps ending up in the sanctuary in the first place. So I started working with the wildlife authorities there to deal with the poaching, you know, the illegal trade, but then also to deal with conflict, you know, between local communities and chimps as well. So we did snare removal in the forests, um, which we use old um, hunters, ex-hunters to do that. We paid them more than what they'd get from hunting. And once they started doing that and they actually saw themselves the negative impact that overhunting was having in the forest, they became our best converts and our best educators to the communities, which was really, you know, great. And then also working with the government authorities to create uh, economic revenue streams for the parks. So I, in two of the protected areas in Uganda, I helped set up ecotourism sites. And that has allowed those two parks to be financially independent because of the tourism. So you sort of give this added value. And of course, then you're employing local communities. So then the communities are more, uh, have a positive attitude towards the protected areas as well. So it ends up being a much bigger thing. So once I did that and handed over to Ugandans, so trained up Ugandans to be able to do it, then I moved over into the two Congos, both Congo Republic and the Democratic Republic of Congo, helped build a guerrilla sanctuary and a chimp sanctuary in Democratic Republic of Congo, and then helped renovate one in the Congo Republic. And then last year, I was helping build a sanctuary in Liberia, in West Africa. So I, sadly, after 25 years, I'm still building sanctuaries. I'm actually working. Can you believe I've done a full circle and I'm back to Burundi? So, you know, we left because of the civil war and nothing has actually happened since we left. So the Jane Goodall Institute about three years ago worked with the government to do a conservation action plan for chimps. And we're now sort of 
going back and readdressing what I was put there for you know, back 26 years ago, which was the captive chimpanzees. So it's not a big problem in Burundi, but at the moment they have six confiscated chimps and very poor facilities for them. So I'm actually working with authorities now to address that problem. Compare and contrast, because I understand you worked in the Territory for a couple of years, compare and contrast the communication <laughs> systems in Australia and uh, in um, Africa. <laughs> I know, I was appalled actually, because they um, went there and it was an 80 kilometre drive for me to get any network. Where was this? And even this, is... the satellite. this was in Fish River, so it's uh, west of the Daly River, so west of Tipperary Station. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I was far more isolated and had worse communication than I ever had in Africa. I mean, I, even in Africa, I was in eastern DRC on top of a mountain and I could get phone reception. So what were you, you doing know? in the Territory? Uh, working with an Indigenous community and the Indigenous Land Corporation and they had purchased a pastoral lease and were um, giving it back to the traditional owners and it was going to be turned into a conservation area. So I was working with them on that, you know, on the property management and how to do that conversion for conservation, Debbie which Cox was very cool. I only just worked with uh, six uh, Indigenous rangers and myself, you know, covering 1,500 square kilometres. It's a massive area to cover for, you know, six people. So, Debbie Cox, you're going to go back to uh, Africa, to Burundi or to where? Yeah, well, I already, as I said, I already have. I've been to Liberia last year during COVID and I will go back to Liberia probably next year for the second phase of building. And right now I'm doing all of the planning for Burundi um, facilities and I hope to go to Burundi with people from Australia to help with doing a master plan and developing an education program for Burundi. So, yeah, I'm still keeping my finger in Africa. It's, uh, you know, it's challenging, but it's also extremely rewarding. Tell us the initial reason you went there. What what touched you that said, I've got to go and do something about this? When I worked with the chimps in Taronga, I mean, I was very much connected to them and I felt how vulnerable they were as individuals. And then when I went to Chicago in 1990, I met Jane Goodall there and it was also a conference for understanding chimpanzees. And that was my first sort of awakening that nobody was doing anything. All of the scientists who were studying the chimps were saying all these problems existed, but nobody was actually doing anything. And I thought, well, I could do something in the field that I have expertise in, which is in captive care for the confiscated chimps. And so I contacted the Jane Goodall Institute, found out they had this halfway house in Burundi. And so I applied to go as a volunteer, which I did in 93. And then in 94, they asked me to come back as a co-director. Tell me um, and tell us what sort of people, if I can say that, are chimpanzees. You've been working with them for 20 <laughs> years. What sort of people are the they? I think we could learn a lot from them. They're much better at forgiveness and they don't hold grudges. So they can be extremely volatile. So, you know, they can flare up, um, you know, and get angry very quickly. Like people. But they like people, but they can actually get over it probably better than we do. And it's very important for them to do reconciliation pretty much instantly. And they'll do that and then move on, you know, like forget about it. That was the fight today. It's not the fight for tomorrow. And they'll deal with it. But they are like humans, they're territorial. So you, a community of chimpanzees, 
you can have like 100, 120 chimps living in a community and they will defend their territory and they'll defend it to the death if they have to. So it's mother orientated family groups. So the mother has her relationship with her children all her life. And what's really cute is even an adult male who becomes a alpha, you know, the big boss man, he may need time out and go back and spend a day or two or a week with his mum um, and sort of rebuild back his confidence and just get some mother loving and then he goes back at it again. Wow. So it's really, really cool when you see that. You see these big males running back to mum for support, you know. Debbie Cox, it's great to talk to you. I'm a bit trepidatious about asking you to phone us again when you go back to Africa, but I'll ask you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, when I go to Liberia, I will. <laughs> okay. Well, look, keep up the good yeah. work. You're a credit to Australia and lovely to talk to you after 25 years. Keep in touch, Debbie I will, Cox. I will, I will try, though. Thank you. This is the All Over News, information from you, the listener, about all manner of things happening here and overseas. Rebuilding after flood and bushfire goes on Australia round, and among those groups doing great work is BlazeAid, who currently have, I think, nine camps in New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia and Western Australia, rebuilding damaged fences and farm structures. And the job just got a whole lot bigger after floods in New South Wales and Queensland. On the line is Kevin Butler from BlazeAid. Kevin, good morning. What's the plan? Macca, nine months to a year on this. The calls are coming in. We're looking at establishing bases in a number of areas. So Maxville we will be returning to, Warhope, and also very high likelihood of, of Wingham, Taree, two camps. Maria was just reset up as a fire base. We had to evacuate. We're back in the game. Kyola is another one. And I believe Roland Plains is a possibility. These names back I've never heard of before, but I think we'll be hearing a lot more of them soon. And we've got another one in the Mid-North Coast Council area called Bala Dela. That's Bulla Dela. Bulla Dela, that's it. Yep. Now, I also had an interesting phone call. You may remember the Sir Ivan fires there about three or four years ago around Dunedoo. We were there. We had two camps, one at Dunedoo and one at Castlis. But... The locals grew 16,000 trees, and we may be setting up a mini camp at Cassilis for tree planting there uh, because, as you know, trees, especially the old trees, are devastated after fires, particularly with droughts preceding. We'd just like people to you know, watch this space because we're going to have it all on blazeaid.com.au, our website. The new camps will start being put up in the next week to two weeks as the flood waters recede and it's safe to go in. But look, there's probably areas that I haven't even mentioned. And those communities who do want Blazeaid's help and the, the massive army of volunteers that will pour in to help them, they really need to contact their local Shire Council and say, we need to get a Blazeaid community camp going at our local sports ground or our local hall, and we need it going for months to help these people who are devastated. Also, MACA will be looking at local people who've got machinery like excavators and loaders and four-wheel drive tractors, articulated tractors with four-in-one buckets, because as you know, there's a lot of debris on fence lines and some of that debris has got dead animals in it. One tractor would take the place of probably 50 volunteers because it can move so much debris that of course the volunteers are needed to replace that fencing so they can get their stock back in again. 
There'll also be a lot of people who want to donate goods. Please wait till the camps are set up because when the Blaze Aid volunteers go out onto farming properties, they generally love to bring a hamper out for the farmers, well, to enjoy, to share with their family or even to share with their neighbours. And then we get on with the work of helping them clean up and rebuild. Macca, when we first started, I think in 2012, we had 15 base camps. I'm expecting up to 20 base camps. We're fielding calls from all over Australia. It's just wonderful the way people want to pitch in and help. But the floods may go off the radar for a little while. But just keep in mind that these families that have had their homes flooded and lost their livestock and a lot of their infrastructure, they're going to be needing help for a year or two years. So just because it's not on the news doesn't mean that everything has been rebuilt. It's, it's far from it. I think everyone needs to put on their calendar, book in a date to come to a Blaze Aid camp, whether it be in a month's time or five months' time. But everyone's got a weekend or whatever or a holiday that they'll be able to come, bring their family. Let's get stuck into it together. You should bring back the gumboots again, Macca. You had a great song going there. Certainly up now. Thanks for your wonderful support, Macca. Zali's in Scottsdale. Good morning, Zali. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, look, you know, I've been, uh, yeah, uh, tearing around, but I'm fine. That's very good. Tell me, what did you want to talk to me about, Zali? Did you? Oh, so um, the Launceston Church Grammar School, Grade 12s this year, are raising funds for the Cancer Council Tasmania on a walkathon. All right. So. The walkathon, we have to walk 80 kilometres in 24 hours. Wow. <laughs> and what? we leave on Wednesday. Well, on Wednesday, did you say? Yes, the 30th. And from where to where are you walking? Scottsdale? I'm walking from Deloraine to school, so back all the way up Mowbray Hill to get to our school. Well, we don't know Mowbray Hill, but I'm, I assume it's fairly uh, rugged. It's quite steep, yes. <laughs> 80 Ks in 24 hours. So you're all doing that or you're doing it in relays or what? Well, you're doing it as the grade 12 cohort. So that all, all of us are going to be walking as a group. Wow. So that's a fair bit of what? 24 hours. So you walk all day and night. Are you going to sleep or what? I walk all day and night. <laughs> Gee, there you go. Well, that's, uh, that's a bit of a challenge. Good on you. And you're, you're trying to raise money for Cancer Council. Is that right? Yeah. So our goal is $40,000 mm. um, and I just checked our website. We um, so far have $21,000 on our online donations. Good on you. That doesn't include our cash donations or our fundraising events. Uh-huh. Oh, well, you should, well, maybe you'll make it. So how do people donate, Zali? Um, so you can go onto the website. Um, so doitforcancer.com and do then you cancer. search up Launceston Grammar. Launceston Grammar, all right, that's easy. How old are you, uh, Zali? I'm 17. And you're in, what, year 11, 12? Year 12. Year 12, wow. That's a big year, isn't it? <laughs> so what did you, you, last year you were not at school or what happened last year? Last year I was in year 11 at Launceston Church Grammar. So you went to school all year or you had to stay home sometime or what? Um, I believe we stayed home for about three months mm. and studied at home. And uh, looking back on that, how was that? Um, in some ways it was good, but other ways I think it was 
um, a bit harder yeah. to understand some of the context. Yes, I'll say. It's always nice for the teacher. You can explain things and say, what was that about? And and then have a discussion with your friends too. So you can work yeah. things out which you, you know, when you're at home. I mean, you can do the same thing on um, on the, online or whatever, but it doesn't seem the same. It's better to, mm. yeah, anyway. Zali, good luck with that. Good luck and uh, well done. Thank you very much. See ya. See ya. Bye. Is it Sarah um, in Dingabladinga? Is that right? <laughs> it is. Um, yes, Sarah from Dingabladinga. I thought I'd give you a bit of a weather report and a bit of news from down here in South Australia. What's what's the name of the place again? Uh, it's uh, Dinga Bladinga. Dinga Bladinga. <laughs> How does it get exactly. a name like Dinga Bladinga, for God's sake? Uh, I think it's a traditional name, but we live, uh, it's near Wollonga, and, but it's sort of the edge of the Adelaide Hills near Meadows, and we have a few places with the Inga sounds like... Uh, Old Dinga, Wollonga. It's just, yeah, we're Dinga Bladinga, but uh, and it's eight is, degrees here this morning. It's obviously Aboriginal language, uh, is it? And yes. What's it? What's it mean? Do you know? I think, like lots of these places, place of uh, much water. Mm. Well, there you go. All right. <laughs> so, Sarah, what are you doing? Uh, well, I'm going to bed soon. I've just finished a night shift. I'm a registered nurse and work at Victor Harbour, mm-hmm. and I'm walking around the heifer paddock to make sure there's nothing to uh, assist before I go to bed. I'm on my own at the moment because my uh, husband, who's also a winemaker, is down in uh, Tasmania at Lake Barrington. Oh, wow. And Yes, we have some exciting news. Um, we've been listening to you for, I can't remember, 26 years at least, and our 20-year-old has been announced as a member of the Australian Olympic senior men's rowing team. Wow. How old is he? What's his name? He's 20. He's Angus Dawson, and we're a bit excited. I'll say, Angus Dawson, 20 years old, eh? How good is that? It is pretty exciting. Yeah. So what's he rowing in, an eight, a four, a solo, two, what? No, he's he's rowing in a in an eight. Uh-huh. Um, so he's a sweep rower. Uh, he started when he went to boarding school um, at St Peter's in Adelaide, and then he's gone on and he rows with the Adelaide Rowing Club. But he's spent some time in America and came back uh, a year ago because of COVID. Yeah, I'll say. And they haven't been able to row for a while, have they? Because they're too close. If you know what I mean, in an eight. <laughs> That's right. Well, they're getting around it. Um, yeah. I, I'm hope, keeping fingers crossed for their prospects and that nothing um, stops them from going to Tokyo. But yes, it's for for our little um, hamlet, I suppose, of Dinga Bladinga. It's um, yeah, pretty exciting. Oh yes, and it's very exciting for you and for Angus. It's a, a one, yes, a, a wonderful. Accolade, really, to be able yes. to select it in an Olympic team of whatever, um, and especially yeah. in rowing. It's a great, great sport. Oh, thank you. We would like to thank you as a rowing community for supporting uh, rowing. It doesn't get a lot of coverage on other um, uh, media outlets, but um, your program, Maka, has been fantastic. So thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's, uh, it's only, I think, because my grandpa was a rower, but I didn't know that at the time. But when I grew up, I realised he'd been a rower. But he wasn't a rower. He was a very poor man, and he was, um, uh, but he had lovely handwriting, right? So, oh. <laughs> so, he, he, uh, so he did the books for a couple of accountants and stuff after work. And um, oh. 
they had they were in a rowing club, the accountants, and um, he was roped into it because he was very athletic, and so he was a very poor man, but he um <laughs> he made the cut, and so he was rowing, and he won medals, and wow. It's a it's a sport that I think if you put your mind to it and uh, you work hard like anything really you can you can make it happen. But yes, yeah, so there's some great stories about rowers. I think you did a story about the cods from Murray Bridge a while ago, where mm. um, Angus's coach, um, one of his coaches, James McRae, comes from. So yeah, it's exciting times. Good on you, Sarah. Lovely to talk to you, and good luck Thanks, to. Thanks. I'm going to bed. <laughs> okay, get to bed. Good on you. But thanks, Mecca. Bye. Bye. Uh, g'day, it's Phil. G'day, Phil. Um, I'm just letting you know that um, I was just driving back to Sydney. I'm a firefighter with Fire Rescue New South Wales, and uh, we've been just completed a, a what they call a 131 deployment, heading up to Port Macquarie, helping out all the, um, the flooded um, communities up there, trying to get back on their feet. Yeah, right. and, I spoke uh, to Luke this morning. He was in Taree doing the same. You, you're with Fire and Rescue, Phil. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, they've, they've got a where you, where, fire rescue used to wells and RFS have got a huge deployment up there. Yeah, well, they need it, don't they? Um, and Luke was saying that Tari and uh, people have got all their goods and chattels in the street, and front end loaders are coming, and it's just a, just oh, a, it's a, unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, obviously, a lot of communities up there were hit by the bushfires, then COVID, now floods. They've just been hit from pillar to post. And, uh, and now that the water's receding, it's leaving all the, the refuse, debris, and everything else behind. The mud, the smell is just um, absolutely unbelievable. So, I know. Uh, I was working up in Kempsey. We we're based in Port Macquarie. All the strike teams were based in Port Macquarie and heading out every morning out to the communities south and northwest of Port, Mac- of Port Macquarie. Yeah. And, uh, and just just what we're coming across, just uh, you know, and just the resilience of the people up there. As I said, they've just they've been hit from pillar to post the last, you know, 18 months with one after the other. Hopefully, bad luck comes in threes, and that's it. We won't they won't get hit again. Um, but at the moment, they're just trying to find their feet again after seeing all the devastation of the floods, and then now that, as I said, the water's receding over the last few days, and um, and the commitment from both fire rescue and RFS uh, firefighters uh, going out to strike teams. And just touching base with all these people, they're just, as you say, they've they, you know, lost everything, all the furniture is starting to appear out on the streets. And, uh, and you know, you can't, quite often you can't actually, you know, um, sort of save any of the furniture. It's all been no. stolen from the water and the carpet. Everything's got to get thrown the out. Carpets and, yeah, I was wondering, you know, what's the worst? I suppose they're all bad, but a, a fire, you know, everything's gone. But there's just piles and piles of junk, isn't there, after a after a flood and carpets and God help me and you got a oh, mud and holy mackerel. Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I went up to the deployment up in uh, the Northern Rivers in 2017. That was that was a particularly bad flood as well. And I mean, you had like things like cars and and carcasses and cattle and trees, you know, 30 feet up a tree. You know, yeah. how do you get that down? You need to get cranes out and stuff like that. And, but it's all about trying to wash out all the mud now. Now that the water's gone. You can actually get access into these areas, and you're starting to find that just how much devastation's occurred. Yeah, Phil, where's your where, what? Where's your base? I'm normally um, I'm a duty commander or an inspector at, at uh, base out of Parramatta. Uh huh. So I, I on my five days off this week, I was um, asked to I could go up as a strike team leader, and I, I have four as a strike team leader. I have four trucks under my command, and I'd be tasked to go out to a certain area um, and touch base with a certain community, and and then try to or as the as the calls for assistance come in, um, 
the uh, and what sort of things do you, what sort of things you've been doing Phil give us a, an idea what do you um, do okay well basically um, we're going into townships small townships or larger townships and, and just um, hitting touching base with every community every person on the street saying you might come across them and they're we're removing furniture from their house. Can we give you a hand? No problems. Can we wash down your driveway? Wash out your house? Wash out the garage? Um, we had to go and check out all the, the sewage pumping stations uh, mm. the other day yeah. uh, right throughout the town of Kempsey uh, to make sure that any effluent uh, and any fecal matter, whatever, had, had come up out of the out of the, um, the sewage uh, pump out of stations. We had to, because um, obviously Fire Rescue is the hazmat um, combat agency, so any anything, a lot of this is very hazardous, you know, because all the... Um, a lot of like so a town like Century Point, all their they, they don't have um, sewage, they have um, septic tanks and they're yeah. all overflowed. Yeah. So that's just created a massive hazmat hazardous material incident right throughout the whole town. So you know we're just dealing things like that and and anything and everything we can possibly do to try and get back the, all these townships back to, to um, some sort of state of normality. Yeah, and I think it's good for the psyche of the people too when they see people come. It's the same in the drought or anything. And, and Australians are pretty good at that. Um, you know, help each. Well, humans are. I think you, you, when you see people in in strife, you, you help them out. And good on fire and rescue, Phil. Um, and uh, yeah, well done. Uh, You'll probably be going up again. This will be a long time. This recovery, won't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, as I'm driving south now, because I'm, I've already completed my one three one. But now I'm just seeing fire truck after fire truck going heading north again as the as the teams complete their their, their deployments uh, and then another deployment will come in behind them and yeah you're right absolutely Mark it's going to be a long uh, like uh, this will probably go for another at least a few more weeks maybe a couple of months yeah good on you Phil um, yeah keep up the good work mate well done oh good day Mac Dave Evans in Geelong how are you going good thanks Dave. I love your show, the way it brings a whole lot of different concepts together at the one time. I've just overtaken an empty feed relief truck heading south on the Hume and hearing Beverly ring up and talk about the men in her life and all sorts of things. And Mark, down at Lake Barrington, oh golly, you know, I can just picture where he is at the moment, the way he describes that place. It's beautiful. It's God's rowing course, mate. That's, what it's, that's why yeah, I call yeah, it. isn't it? Because I remember I talked to him. He said, oh, he said, have you been to Lake Barrington? I said, no, I haven't. He says, oh, it's God's, oh. Row, God's rowing course. And it's apparently just when you drive, apparently you drive there and you drive down and, and all of a sudden you come across this lake and it's like, it's like a picture yeah. out of, you know, The Sound of Music or something, you know, one of those um, Swiss oh, lakes. It's magical. Yeah. And, and the reflection off the water matches what you see above the water. Like, mm. it's one of those places where it's so still and calm and just it's just stunning, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but Macca, I've been, um, I've just been away for most of the weekend anyway. Um, a bunch of uh, friends and I make a point of catching up every year to get out and do something. We've just been canoeing on the Goldman River. Um, so some similar experiences to Lake Barrington, you know, platypus popping up in front of us. Wow. And, um, you know, the, the, the magic of that place has just been really beautiful. Um, but what, what we... What we do, I suppose, when we get together, we're just mates and we, we enjoy a catch-up and, and everything, but we, we always end up talking and supporting each other as well and just covering off what's, uh, you know, what's going on for us in our lives. We're all in our 40s and we've all got kids ranging in age from about 17 down to about three. And it's just a, a terrific way, I don't know, for us to get together and um, share ideas and, and reinforce things, but challenge each other as well in the way we think about stuff. I, I've... I've been like a lot of Australians probably following all of this stuff about um, misogyny and, um, and and everything that's going on. And it's it's focused a lot on the politicians, which is a real shame because we, we're at a point, I think, in our community 
where um, where we do need to change the way that we feel about all of these things. And uh, I mentioned Beverly before, and I've been really lucky to be surrounded by wonderful men in my life and um, great role models. And I absolutely hear what she's saying that that that's that's the that's the majority of Australian men. But if we don't start listening to our women and our girls when they when they speak out and speak up, then we are we're going to go backwards as a culture. This is mm. this is how every every social problem in history has been dealt with has been has been by people standing up and calling things out, and other people listening to them and supporting them when they need that support. You know exactly. Yep, you're you're exact, yeah. exactly right. But yeah, I think uh, I sometimes think blokes feel they're put upon because you know the white male thing, and they're you know, and yeah. you see you hear bad stories and. And sometimes blokes think they're, you know, they, you know, if you're, you, it's almost like a pejorative to be a white male. You know what I mean? Um, but that, oh, yeah. and, and that's not right either, um, because you're exactly right. Where would you be without all the blokes and women who who do all the community work they do, and you know, with foot, footy teams and whatever they do, and cricket and coaching and just all the sort of things and helping out, you know. And you've seen that all your life, you know, as you grow up. Always. You, you see a blokes doing it, but yeah, you got to listen. You know, I, I can't understand. I, I, I tell you what, I can't understand, Dave, is is how people go out and get on the grog and think that there's not going to be a, it's not going to be a disaster because you know if you go out drinking, and I'm I'm not talking about having a drink, but I'm talking about you know three or four or five, and think it's not going to end in tears. Um, I don't know. That's that's something that needs to change too. I think. Yeah, I quite I quite agree with you because it undoes a whole lot of uh, it, well, it, it exposes <laughs> it exposes raw stuff, doesn't it? And mm. if the raw stuff's not really good stuff, then uh, when you've had a few drinks, um, it comes out ugly. Yeah, yeah. You need to you and, ne- and you need to be surrounded by mates who are saying, "Well, look, um, Dave or Ian said a few too many. Um, yeah, we need to look after yeah. this." Um, but yeah, uh, I think right. that's a lot of the problems that have happened. Um, seem to me to be associated as well with alcohol. Um, yeah, I quite agree with you. Mm. Yeah. And, and Maka, to hear Kieran ring in and celebrate Australia in the way that he did, you know, in an international sort of context, I, whether this is a religious thing for people or not, it's Sunday, everybody. It's Sunday. <laughs> we should all spend some time today concentrating in our minds and ver- verbalising it out loud what we're grateful for. Like what? What? What is really great about our lives, about our community, about our country? We should have some moments today on a Sunday to think about that and actually share it with people, so that we we're sort of perpetuating all the good stuff that that's fantastic about this country. Yeah, good people ring here uh, yeah. on Sunday morning, just like you, Dave. Um, and yeah. and thanks for your your good offices. It's uh, it's really nice. I mean, I think it's important because there's a lot of bad news and. I just get, you know, a lot of people do. You just get, oh, I think, oh, no, not again. Look, give us a break. Um, because yeah. that's important. I mean, I think it's important to have positive news or not so much negative news. But, I mean, the media, I don't know, it obviously sells because they just keep concentrating on it all the time, all the time. And, and there's, as you say, Dave, there's a lot of good blokes out there and a lot of good ladies. And um, we can, uh, with a bit of discussion, we can fix it. Yeah, that's why we need Macca on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Good on you, Dave. G'day, Macca. It's Sam in Kakadu. Hi, Sammy. How are you? Mate, I'm great. We're, uh, my family and I are travelling around Australia in a caravan and we're 
set up camp in Kakadu the last couple of days and been lucky enough to visit this beautiful part of Australia. Oh yeah, where are you from, Sammy? We're from the northern beaches and we've uh, we've been on the road for the last four and a half months. We left in November and we've been down through Victoria, Tasmania, South Australia, got across the WA and now we're in the NT and this week we head across to Queensland. And how did you get through the borders, Sammy? That'd be a, there's a book Ma- there's a book in that, obviously. <laughs> yeah, a few people have said that, mate. Uh, we uh, we're travelling with our four boys, our four sons, and so they kept us on our toes. But we have been really lucky, mate. We've left we left Victoria. We got into Victoria just after they opened the borders up the first lockdown, and then we had to leave there pretty quickly just on New Year's Day to get into South Australia before it locked down again. So we've been ahead of it, mate, and um, very fortunate so far. And yeah, we're very lucky to live in this country. That's it's diverse in its geography, but all the people are so friendly and willing to help you out wherever you are. What? Uh, how old are your kids? Uh, we've got they. Joshy's twelve, and then uh, Maxie is he's four. Billy's seven, and then Eddie turns one next month. So four boys ranging from nearly one to nearly twelve. <laughs> well, at least you know. I remember. I remember some people coming out over to our house when I was, uh, you know, I was a youngster, and. Um, and they said, oh, and how old's Ian, uh, Jack? That's my father. And, and he had to scratch his head, and then he yelled out, Lorna, how old's Ian? <laughs> so, well, my, yeah. so you've got that nail, mate, 12, 4, 7, and 1. Yeah, and, uh, and my beautiful wife, Cara, who keeps us all in check. Yeah, so that's a lovely. So you've been on the road for four months? Four and a half months, and uh, the kids taking the kids out of school, and then we head back to... We'll be home by Anzac Day, back to Sydney, and then we'll get them back into school. All right. Well, that, that'll be good. It was a great experience for the kids, and in fact, it's a, a lifetime experience. You'll they'll uh, you'll wed them to the bush, if you know what I mean. They'll want to do that all their lives now. Oh, they've they've loved it, and just to see you know, the things you can see uh, in WA and and Northern Territory. This was such an old country of here. You know, twenty thousand years ago, there were. Um, drawing paintings on the walls here in Kakadu and uh, there's, you know, you can get megalodon teeth in the rocks in, in Exmouth. It's just amazing to see the history that's there. And, and even today, the volunteers, I was listening before, this country's built on volunteers and places are down in South Australia, their whole, they don't have councils, they're just run by the community. They mm-hmm. all look after each other and they, they look after their own rubbish and their own facilities and quite amazing actually, Mackie, you know, the, this Australia's built on the back of the volunteer and so all this stuff we've been going through with floods and bushfires and whatnot it's all thanks to SES and the bushfire brigade and uh, it's you know that's without them we'd be we'd be in a real pickle exactly people who and it's a bit like charity begins at home it's a bit like your mum there's there's the ultimate vo- volunteer i reckon your mum yeah she's <laughs> the ultimate volunteer dads are yeah pretty good but mums are the great volunteers they never they've always got time always got time Selfless. mum that's can right. you do this mum can you do this mum can you do this um can i yeah they're the ultimate volunteers so sammy um you'll be back home for anzac isn't it amazing it's already anzac day i mean where's the year gone unbelievable mm. But um, lovely to be out there, and, and the kids will have seen the sky and the stars at night, which they would never see on the northern beach, if you know what I mean. You sort of see it, but um, you get to see that, um, which is quite uh, amazing. They'll, they'll have. A, you better get them to write it down, the older ones, and um, take it to school. They'll have to and they can stand up with their news. And We're doing our best. Homeschooling, that's the challenge, that's for sure, but it keeps us busy, that's, the, that's without a doubt. 
Yeah, well, I, I think it's, you know, I don't think there's any harm um, in when, you, especially when they're primary school and, you know, just ar- around that age. Um, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, you'll find that they've um, grown immeasurably, uh, Sam. Thanks, Maka. All right, mate. It's a pleasure. Where are you now? We're in Jabiru, uh, the top end of Kakadu, and mm. then we'll head down to Catherine today and, and then head east to Mount Isa and, and again to the coast by the end of the week. Oh, wow. All right. Good on you, Sam. Driving ahead of us this week. Thanks, Maka. All right, mate. It's a pleasure. See ya. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.